Bibles tonight again to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Hallelujah. Matthew 16. Father, we are we're excited. I'm excited about what you're doing in the earth today. I'm, I'm glad to be alive at this time. It's challenging. There, there's much to do. There's much to face. There's much to overcome. But with you, Father, with you and your help, your covenant, your spirit, your word, your grace in us, I believe the church is rising up in 2021 like a giant and that we shall take our place in Christ and we shall make for Jesus a bride that is ready, a, a bride ready to receive the groom. I just so thank you, Father God, for the grace to help the church to stand up tall upon its feet and to be who you called us to be, to walk in all you called us to walk in, and to accomplish the mission and the commission that you gave us. Lord, I just so thank you that throughout this year, you're adding, you're adding to this local body from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We say to the north, you give up the sons and the daughters that God has called and assigned to this place. Lord, I thank you that what Dr. Jacobs, the prophet, prophesied over this house, that, Father, we are experiencing a quantum leap forward in accomplishments, in attendance, in finances to complete the building. That's what the prophet said. I thank you it's coming to pass. Now, Lord, tonight as we dive into your word, Lord, I thank you for unction for myself. Thank you for anointing. Thank you for causing me to speak words Father God, that are your words. That the, the, the natural part of me could just step aside. And that the Holy Ghost and that pastoral office could kick in and feed the people. Lord, we just thank you. I thank you that on the people's side, they are here to take it. They are here to receive it. They are here to respond to it. And to be changed, forever changed. Come on. By what they hear. And I thank you, Father, that this church is growing stronger, not weaker. Larger, not small, more powerful, more fruitful than we've ever been. Hallelujah. And we thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. We'll give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, again, this has just been the way it is. Uh, we've been endeavoring to be on a series I have called The Local Church. Uh, but at times, the Lord has directed me to uh, divert a little bit, ministering, minister along a certain line. We're fine with that, right? Yeah. And uh, but uh, this is the eighth or ninth teaching that I've done in total just in this series on this subject of local church. And so I realized that, uh, you know, there's there's been a lot spoken and that's easy to forget. How many of you know you didn't retain? But just a small percentage of what you heard. <laughs> and so all of that material is available, uh, you know, depending on what happened, you want to get it, it's free. And uh, so free means no excuse, right? Come on. And uh, but, so we're going to continue with the Lord's help talking about uh, the local church. Praise God. In Matthew 16, this has been our golden text. Uh, praise God. And I, I know that some of you here so tonight, you know, and I can just anticipate people watching that a teaching on the local church to your mind, you might be saying, oh, I, I have a desperate situation over here. I have a problem over here. Listen, God can work. You put yourself in the right setting. 
by coming. Yes. Right? Amen. And, and so let's say maybe the burning desire in your life is a marriage need or a financial need or a physical need. Listen, uh, the church is a huge part of the answer in every one of those areas. Amen. Amen. And even while you sit, even while you, uh, you know, you're just not got your feet kicked up, but you're out there online participating. Come on. And hooked on. Amen. That whatever your greatest need is, Amen. God will minister on that to that while you take part. Amen. Uh, in what we're the Spirit of God is having us emphasize to the corporate family. There came a moment here with the with the disciples, of course, that Jesus asked the disciples a question: Who do men say that I am? And he, the disciples, they gave Jesus the answer that they had heard from other people. And then Jesus turns to them and says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, in verse 16, he stepped forward and answered and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, is what that means. You are the son of the living God. And see, he didn't get that out of his head. Amen. Jesus confirms that. In verse 17, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock. Uh, now Peter, the word Peter in the Greek means a little stone. Okay? A little stone or a pebble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the word rock, upon this rock, this means a great foundation stone like the rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> It wouldn't be a rock that you could move with an excavator. You know what I mean? Come on. So I've got a huge stone. So Peter is not the rock that the church is built on. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Peter played a critical role. Amen. But the rock the church is built on is the revelation that he spoke out. That upon that he what? That Jesus is the Christ. What is the church built on? The revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Savior. He's the King. He's the Son of God. John said later in his first letter, 1 John, he said, He that hath the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. Amen? That, you know, part of the condition of salvation is that you must believe and confess that Jesus is God. That Jesus is the Son of God. Have you done that? I trust you have. Amen. So he said, Jesus said, uh, and I say unto you that upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will build my church. Come on. This is huge. I will build what? My church. And the gates of Hades, of hell itself, will not be able to overpower it, will not be able to overcome it. The Amplified said, will not be able to do anything to the detriment or to diminish the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, we've said a lot, like I said, about the church. But I want to say this to you. Very few Christians, very few, have any sort of real biblical understanding and revelation about what the church really is. And its preciousness. And its value. Come on. And its purpose in life. Yeah. And because of that lack of revelation, that lack of understanding, it shows up in how the average Christian approaches the church. 
preach the church. Amen. So we're going to talk about honor tonight. Honor for the church. Honor for the local church and what that looks like. And uh, the Lord has helped me to see a few things over the over the, my walk with Him about honor. And uh, I, I just so value the life that He has given to into us as a body yeah. and to our kin about honor. Come on. Because outside of you know our company, I, I don't know another group out there. I don't know all the groups out there anyway. But thank God, one of the treasures of light and understanding we have is the the role that honor. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But uh, that doesn't mean we've arrived. That's right. And of course, we get new people all the time. And I know I'm not, I'm not walking nearly in the, in the full light revelation of honor like I should. Like I, should. Like I say in my book, The Prophet Honor Connection, uh, I ask people around me to promise me that they'll be lifelong students of the subject of honor. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And I'm asking you again. Amen. Like faith. Amen. You need to put honor way up on that pedestal like faith, love, some of those subjects. Amen. You know, we're not turning there, but in 1 Samuel, God said, He gave the law of honor. He said, For those that honor me, I will honor. But they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Yes. In other words, God says, I'm going to treat you and your life and your things and the things that are important to you the way you treat me and my things. And so if you despise me, if you diminish me, if you treat me lightly, if you dishonor me, then that's the way I'm going to treat you. Come on, baby. And when, when Christians' lives, when you look at the whole of their lives, and there's no fragrance of God's approval on their family, there's no, there's no evidence of, of overflow of good things and blessing. Could it be that there's, I'm not accusing anybody, I'm just saying, uh, honor's a big deal with God. Yeah. Come on. Amen. Honor's a big, big deal with God. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. And uh, so I'm not wanting you yeah. to have knowledge about these things. I want you to believe it for you. I've been praying for you to get a revelation. Yeah. What's the difference between knowledge and a revelation? Well, a revelation, it's a, it's a truth that you've embraced and it's alive in you. It's not just head knowledge, but it is it has affected your mindset. You get it. And you have adapted your life to fall in line with the revelation you've got. Yeah. Amen. You know, I don't have that about my phone. I just knowledge. But I'm talking about a living truth that you have on the inside of you. And it's shown up in the way that you're approaching your life. That's what I'm believing for on this uh, subject of the local church. Amen. Now here again, look at what Jesus said. What is Jesus doing today? What is Jesus about? Where is his passion focused? What is his priority? What is he up to? What is Jesus all in with and about? Well, what did he say? He said, upon this truth, I will build what? My church. What's, what's he endeavoring to do today? Build his church. Build his church. What is Jesus passionate about? His church. What about the lost? Oh yes, he's passionate about the lost. But the, his goal for the lost is to get them saved and in the church. Amen. Amen. It's like I tell Kama. Kama, you catch them, I'll clean them. 
<laughs> I'm going to tell you, their primary office in history is evangelists. It's toward, you know, there's a definite important role that they have to the body of Christ to stir us up. And then toward the laws. And to help equip us in how to witness and how to be an effective witness and, and how to go out and catch fish. Amen? But you know, brother, brother us is vicious. You know, when you catch it, what do you got to do? You got to clean them up. Amen. Praise God. Getting saved is not the end. It's not get saved. This is the impression I think that people get in some of our denominational churches. Get saved and hang on. Just get saved and hang on. It's going to be hellish. You might make it through, but when we get to the other side, we're going to sing a lot of songs about the other side. Oh, when we get to that, yeah. Right? No, 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 no. Thank God when you get saved, you're a new creation in Christ, and right now you are a boot camp baby. It is time to grow, it is time to learn, it is time to get equipped, it's time to get in the fight. Yeah. Not hang on, wait. I'm saved, there's really nothing else. But have hell and just hang on. And here's salvation messages over and over and over and over and over here, you know. Amen. Now, thank God we didn't get people born yet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But what does this scripture say that Jesus is passionate about? Here's what I want to get over to you tonight. Are you? Are you? How on board are we with helping Jesus do what his passion is? What is Jesus doing? He is endeavoring to build the church, to strengthen it, to establish it, to fill it with His glory, to help it become everything that God uh, intends for it to become, to receive everything that Jesus purchased for the church, amen, with His own precious blood. Come on. There's only one thing Jesus shed His blood for. What is it? According to Ephesians, or not Ephesians, but uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It says that Jesus purchased the church with his own precious blood. Amen. What does that tell us about how we should be thinking about the church? Come on. The church should not be some low-level thing. Some light thing. Amen. And we should not put the church on the same shelf with so many other things that we interact with in life. Come on. Let me give you another 60 second school on what honor is. What does the word honor mean? Well, if you look up the Old Testament word for honor, the key core Hebrew word for honor would be translated heavy or weighty. So something that's worth honor is to be treated as a Heavy, a weighty Well, that's going to tell you and help define for you what dishonor looks like. If honor means heavy, then what is dishonor? Light or common. Anything that should be deemed as rare and precious and weighty and heavy that you or I have become to treat as common, we have shifted from honor to dishonor. So, 
Husbands and wives, if your spouse, if you're treating that relationship lightly, then you've shifted over from honor to dishonor in your marriage. You're, that marriage covenant, that marriage relationship is like no other earthly relationship on the earth. It ought to be not on the same shelf with your kids. A lot of families make mistakes right there. They put the kid way up at the pinnacle. That's above the church, that's above Jesus, that's above everything. That's the kid. And the kid is very important, but that's not where God arranged it. God ought to be first. Your spouse ought to be second. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So to have a core understanding of what honor, honor is to be treated as a heavy thing. It's a weighty thing. The thing that I honor. To dishonor, right, is to treat it with lightness. Anything that would fit in that category. So I would put common in the categories of dishonor. To treat something, to treat the church lightly. Uh, to treat it as a, uh, a just a common thing. Uh, that's the word. Thank you, Father. Casual. Okay, you got honor and dishonor. You got heavy and light. You got rare and common. Where would you, where would you put casual? It's on the dishonor side. Yeah. Come on. How do you end up in divorce court? Think wrong. Think wrong. Take a light, casual, common approach to the marriage relationship. My high school buddies, my wife, put them on the same plane. You're headed in the wrong direction. That's right. Come on. Spouse, hobby. Right? Now, this, this happened to us very early in our marriage, but we, you know, once you get in the flow, you get in the flow. Thank God. But there's been seasons where you just had to lay a hot down. Yeah. Just lay a hot down. Why? Because it was important to my wife. Yeah. Right? And if a spouse won't lay something down, it communicates. It communicates something. I'm telling you, what's well, not important to them? If it's important to them and you have honor, it'll be important to you. Yeah. We are getting marriage help tonight. Hallelujah. So we need to understand something about the church. See, it's our lack of understanding. Right? We, people don't mean to, but we don't have this teaching. Who's teaching on this? Right? Amen. We understand why why you treat gold as you know something different than dirt. Do women firmly educated, right? There's not been any teaching on church. It's just been treated like another social club, another event on the count, another thing that maybe we do. See, I tell you what, if it's easy or a light thing to miss, what could that be? I'm not saying it is, especially just a, an isolated thing. Amen? Yeah, not believe in vacation. But if it's easy for to miss consistently, it's dishonor. And maybe that dishonor is not coming from an evil or a bad heart, but a lack of understanding of what you're dealing with. Yeah. 
So when Jesus said, upon this revelation, I'm going to build my church. Okay, break that down. Whose, whose entity is this? It's not mine. Not mine. And it's not yours. Who's it belong to? Jesus. And what is he doing with it? Building. Building. The word church there is the word ecclesia. All right? And that word literally means a physical assembly of the especially invited. Amen. In other words, not anybody is invited. Not everybody. Now, most churches are ours too. Going to open to the public, to be, but be, to be a part. Really, what you have to understand is the church is not a thing of man's making. The church is of the Lord's making. Amen. He altered it. He shed his blood for it. He purchased it. He's the head of it. And it belongs to him. Amen. And so this, this would have been understood, the first century meaning of this word ecclesia, uh, is that it would always be a physical gathering in a specific local location of people especially invited. In this case, not by man, but by God. Come on. See, our gatherings, our getting together is not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's a divine thing. It may not have been very spectacular how you ended up here, but if God called you here, and God led you here, and there's a recognition of that in your spirit, and it Right? Amen. That it is a divine thing. And to be invited by God into His church. And there's thousands of them, right? But to, I'm talking about this local church. is not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. And we should not treat it commonly. Yeah. Amen. We miss it when we do that. Amen. 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 So when he said, do not forsake the assembly, he's saying, do not forsake what I'm trying to build. Do not forsake what I've died to begin. Do not forsake what I supernaturally authored for your life. Amen. The place where believers gather, the place where people seek God, the place where we come and experience God's Corporate presence. I don't know if it's my glasses falling over or if there's kind of more in Come on. No, seriously. I'm not trying to be spectacular. Amen. Glory to God. And there are intense attacks in this day and hour. Amen. I mean, we've got more reasons right now today to not be gathered together than at any other time in church history that I can think of, especially in our country. Glory to God. But we must persist. Amen. Amen. We've got to get, and I don't know that I, I, I'm believing that I'm helping, but I've got, God's got to get it over to you, the, the exceeding value of the friend. This is the place my life was changed. My destiny was altered. Come on. I was filled with the Holy Spirit in church. I heard truths. And still am 
changed my life, set my life and my family on course. Amen. This is the place where God has planted my family, uh, praise God, and where I've been nurtured and fed and, and taught and encountered God and, and, and had friendships built. I'm just telling you. Amen. Glory to God. Go to Revelation chapter 1 with me. Y'all alright tonight? Yeah. Glory to God. Revelation chapter 1. And, and just that thought, I will build my church. Well, our hope, we are in Him. And we're supposed to love Him. And we're supposed to serve Him. Come on. What's He doing? What is He trying to accomplish? The upbuilding and the establishment and the glorification of the church. How big does the church live in you? Its mission, its well-being, its prosperity in every aspect. How big is the church in your heart? Uh, could we all say it could be bigger? Yeah. It could be bigger. Come on. In my heart. Amen. I mean, Jesus left heaven. He left heaven. Well, he didn't have to deal with it. He came to earth to fulfill the law. He dealt, he dealt with all that opposition. And yes, to purchase redemption. But purchasing redemption and the forgiveness of sins was not the all and end all. It was just the forgiveness of sins and the purchasing of our way back to God was not the ultimate aim. It was to get us to God so that they, God could have a people so that the church could be born. Hallelujah. I tell you what, there's going to there's gonna come a day off into the future. Amen. You're going to be so glad you're a member of the church. Come on. I'm just telling you, praise God. You know, uh, at the rapture, at the when the trumpet sounds and you are instantly caught away, you're going to be glad. You're going to be glad that you were part of the body of Christ. There's only three kinds of people walking this earth in God's eyes today. There's Jews, Gentiles, which are non-Jews, and the church. Amen. Only one class is going in the rapture. Every other class is going to go through the apocalyptic judgments written about in the book of Revelation. Amen? You know, in just the first few judgments, the population on planet Earth is reduced by 25-30%. We're talking billions of people in just the first couple of judgments will be gone. Come on. You don't want to be here. Amen. By the time the seven years of tribulation are over, if my math is correct, the, the, the post-rapture population of the earth will be reduced by 75%. Amen. But then at the second coming, you know where are you going to be? On a white horse in a glorified body. I'm telling you, there's going to be a day coming where you are so glad that you are part of the church Come on. because your body is going to get an upgrade. Yeah. I mean, your body is going to get an upgrade. Amen. Amen. And maybe you're really young and that doesn't mean all that much to you, but I tell you what, the older 
at the resurrection. He can travel from heaven to earth at inconceivable speeds. He can appear to disappear. He can eat. It won't do. But his body cannot be killed. His body cannot get sick. His body cannot break down. His body will never grow old. But listen, you know, it's a subtle point. But people on the earth that were not part of the rapture, they don't live for my body. And they, they were lucky enough to survive the tribulation period and now enter over into an earthly existence with Jesus at the helm, ruling and reigning with David from Jerusalem. And you and I are all going to have delegated, I've already put in for my millennial assignment. Okay. I found out from Pastor Dennis, he's asked for a slot in the Rockies too. So I said, well, I'll be on one side, I'll, I'll be the governor on one side, you be on the governor on the other, we'll get together. You know, drive cows on Saturday or something. Amen. But listen, we're going to rule and reign. We're going to rule and reign over earthlings. People who are, they made it, and now they're, having, they're married and they're having kids, they're not, they don't have to glorify God. They won't have to glorify God. They'll never have to glorify God. You and I will have it for, for all eternity. The class of the redeemed is a close class. Amen? It started at Pentecost. And it's going to end with the rapture. And that class of people, right there, that's the church. That's the church. That's the redeemed of the Lord. Now, other people will get saved. Right? Yeah. I don't take you down that trail too far. Then I tell you, the church is awesome. And listen, we have to be focused. The, Jesus did not say, upon this revelation, Peter, I'm going to build nations. Or I'm going to build governments. He said, I'm going to build a church. Come on. Amen. He didn't say, I'm going to build golf clubs or bridge clubs or dominoes clubs. He said, I'm going to build a church. That's Amen. what I'm doing. Amen. So I'm just saying, so much of our life ought to be devoted as much as we can to building up of the church. Yeah. And we don't have that mindset. You have missed, I have missed. Yes. Amen. Amen. I want you to see something here in Revelation chapter 1. Y'all are doing good. Amen. Take a little bit more. Yeah. Amen. I know I'm giving you a T-bone tonight. I don't know how much more you can eat. But anyway. We'll give you a little bit more. Put some mashed potatoes in there. Praise God. So in Revelation chapter 1, the resurrected Lord appears in a vision to John while he was on the island of Patmos. And in verse 10 it says, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day. This is John. And I heard behind me uh, a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega. And then he went on. And then he, well, he said, I'm the first and the last. What do you see? Write in the book and send it to the seven what? Churches. Churches. What's on his mind? Churches, which are in Asia. And then he lists seven literal churches on the earth at that time. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And then John turned and looked, and the next verses describe what the resurrected Lord looked like. All right? And uh, look at verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives... Is he alive? Yeah. Come on, he's alive. And was dead. I, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Write the things which you have seen 
and the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. Now look at this, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which you saw, saw are the seven churches. Now I didn't read that section, but when John turns around and sees Jesus, he sees the resurrected Lord standing in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. Amen. Okay? Now I'm making a point here, but you have to follow me. Alright? Now, I know that some, even in our camp, teach that the angels listed here are angels. And I don't believe that. That's not any point to get hot and bothered about. I just don't believe that. And it's been pointed out that, you know, because Jesus tells in chapter 2, he says, unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, right? Okay? And uh, I've got to say some of these things, but, but to make my larger point, the seven stars, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know, they symbolize the pastors of those churches. And the candlesticks John saw are the churches. They represent the church. Amen. And now the reason I don't know, it's been argued, okay, no, this word angel, this word angelos in the Greek word is angelos, and it always means angel. Well, it is angelos. It is angelos. But if you look up the meaning of the word angelos, it means angel and or messenger. And I have three scriptures that I have found in the New Testament. Amen. That the word angelos is metaphorically describing, you cannot argue, human beings. So it's used in a metaphorical sense. Who's the messenger of the church? The pastor is. Now, does this make sense to you? That Jesus would look at a man, John, and say, write a letter. John, a natural man, give it to an angel. Do men give messages to angels? That doesn't make any sense. And then, and because the message was not a message for the angel, it's for the church. So here's what you'd have to believe to believe that those are angels. That Jesus is telling John, a man, to write a letter, give it to an angel. And that the angel is supposed to turn around and communicate the message for the church to the church. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that's not. That's, John the Baptist is called an angel, a messenger. It's translated messenger, but the Greek word is angels. Now, Paul himself calls himself, you received me as an angel from God. He wasn't calling himself a literal angel, but the word he used for angel is angelos. He's using it metaphorically. The ten spies that, uh, that Rahab hid. It said she was blessed and was not destroyed because she hid God's messengers. Okay, so anyway, you don't have to believe that. But that's what I believe. And that's why I believe it. But now with that having been said, notice in for example, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, and unto the, and I'm going to say pastor, and unto the pastor, now let me say this too, I do believe that God assigns angels to churches. 
I have no problem with that at all. I just don't think you should use the scriptures to prove that. Anyway. And under the angel of the church at Ephesus right, these things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand. We're talking about the church. Trying to get the right mindset about the church. Look at Jesus from heaven's side. He's got these seven pastors in his hand. Amen. Now that could be a scary thing. And that's an, all, that's an awesome security thing. Possibly. You know, as, as a pastor, I'm in the Lord's hand. And I'm accountable. Hello? I'm accountable. He's helping me, but I'm accountable. Uh, I want you to get a little bit of heaven's picture about Jesus' attitude toward the church. So he says, unto the church at Ephesus right, the pastor at Ephesus right, these things says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, look at this, who walks in the midst of the what? Of the golden candlesticks. The golden candlesticks represent the churches. So if you ever hear me say, the Lord, amen, uh, I don't want him to put out our candlestick. You know I'm talking about our church. Now this is just symbolic. Amen. That a real church, I mean a church that was not started because of some selfish political church split. Yeah. Or some guy who's not called decided he wanted to start a church. But I'm talking about a real candlestick. A church that's got the Lord's blessing on it. A real church from Jesus' perspective, guess what? That church has a pastor that's in the hand of the Lord. That the Lord can influence and help to help the people. And that Jesus himself walks by his spirit in the midst of the church. Come on. And I wonder how many times Jesus has come to take a walk amongst his people. They weren't there. They didn't esteem the gathering enough to be there. I remember right before Dr. Dufresne went home to be with the Lord, one of the churches uh, that he went to so frequently, loved this church, it was about six hours away from there, home in California, in Merced. Uh, where the Simons, you may not know them, you might you know the Simons, where they passed. Right before uh, Dad went home to be with the Lord, he was ministering in that church. And all of a sudden, it's just so rare, and this had never happened in that church, Jesus appeared uh, to, to Dad to Frank in that service. And he said, I have come. I, I'm going to minister to you, and then I want you to lay hands on everyone in this room. I have something for everyone this here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Wouldn't you be kicking yourself in the backside yeah. for staying home and binge watching Netflix that night? Yeah. Come on, the thing is, you don't know. You don't know when the Lord, the head of the church, may decide to show up in some form, some greater manifestation. Amen. And walk among the seat. Do you see this? And what I want to get over to you, if you read these letters, 
Jesus was personally aware. He was conscious of that local body. He knew the church at Ephesus. He knew the church at Pergamos. He knew the church at Laodicea. He would, in one of those letters, he named names in that church. He said, you know, you guys have done some really good things, but I have some things against you. There's a lady in your church named Jezebel, and she is on the hot seat with me because she is encouraging my servants in this church to commit sexual immorality and to worship idols. And I've had mercy on her. I'm paraphrasing for the Lord. You preach yourself. I've had, I have given her a space of time to repent. But if she does not repent of her wickedness, I'm going to cast her and her children into a sick bed. Because my point is, Jesus is watching. He is perfect. That is an awesome thing. That I believe that World Harvest Church of the Dead is a candle in the hand of the Lord. And you know that? He cares about what's going on. He knows in these letters, Jesus talked about, he talked about uh, doctrinal issues, behavioral issues, rebellion issues, spiritual issues, people being lazy. And in every one of them, there was a specific message Jesus gave to John and write down on a piece of paper to the pastor of that church. Now, think about it. If people weren't at that church, if they didn't come to church, yeah. they didn't have live stream back then. They didn't have podcasts back then to cheat with. Just think about this. Think about, think about what you hold there. Think about the book of Ephesians. What was that? A letter delivered to a church. Think about the rich revelation in the book of Ephesians. But if they skipped church, if they dishonored church, if they weren't there at church, they wouldn't have heard the divine message that we're still reading today. That's right. That's right. Amen. Paul gave his whole life to get revelation to the church. The twelve disciples, right, with the, you know Judas betrayed him, but the eleven, they all martyred themselves. They all gave their lives for the church. What does that tell us about the church? How important is the church? Jesus is walking in the midst. He's making notes. He knows your name. He knows whether or not people in the church are being faithful and bringing their supply. Or are they robbing from the church, taking away from the church, hurting the church? I tell you what, the last thing you want to do if you want to live a good life is hurt the church. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Time's failed now, I'm going to have to close. Come on. But I tell you what, praise God. What is Jesus doing? Building the church. Oh. I, let me tell you something. Let me warn you. You don't want to do anything that would tear the church down. Right. Right. To hurt the church. Amen. To diminish the church. Because he's trying to build it. And yet so many Christians, they don't know what they're doing. They're trying to sow distort. They're trying to get little clicks to vote the pastor out in congregations. They're, they're, they're pulling politics. I, right? All kinds of things go on. But see, that should never happen in our church. We should never have a church split. Never. Amen. Amen. And see, the outcome of your life is really going to depend in large part on how you handle the church. 
I mean, what does honor for the church look like? Well, if you have honor for the church, you pay your tithes and offerings. Because what did the Lord say? Bring ye all the tithes where? Into the storehouse. Why? That there might be food, provision in my house. See, people, I'm not talking about beginners. I'm not talking about new people. I'm not talking about visitors. I'm talking about people who've been there a while. Amen. And see, it is not honorable to come into the church and expect a clean, organized nursery. You people expect it. Bless God. Empty trash cans, vacuumed carpet, clean restrooms, a prayed-over atmosphere. People expect their coffee to be brewed for Right? Someone else to do all the praying. Pastor to be in order. The praise team better be awesome. <coughs> And it's fine for a season to come in and just take, pick from the fruit of the church. But it is not honorable to be in the church very long and not want to give back. Not want to help. Not want to contribute. Do you see how that would be dishonorable? Amen. So Jesus is trying to upbuild the church. And one of the ways he wants to upbuild the church is that we fund the church with our tithes and our offerings. And when people refuse, they hurt the church. They hurt the church. Jesus shed his blood. They hurt the church. They damage the plan of God in that church. They hinder the plan of God in that church because they're selfish. And yet they expect the church to minister to their needs. Right? But I think we over with it. I mean, people who are come regularly, don't contribute financially to work, they are taking food out of my baby's mouth. They are okay with my staff not having a home to live in a car to drive and food there. That's what you're saying. Right? To not tie when you get right on. And yet to continue to come to a church and to pick the fruit of that church is to steal. It is to rob from God. And yet think about this. People out there, Christians everywhere, are crying to God God pay my bills. God pay my rent. God build my family. God help my family. God, I need this. God, I want a better car. God, give me this. Give me this. And all the while, they are stealing. They are okay. Stealing. Stealing. Totally. See, it's, you see how it's like, see how it's dishonorable? To be totally okay with Jesus having to do an end run around you to get the church funded. And supplied and blessed and helped. And then, so see, what is our attitude towards service? It is hard to get you to serve. Your mind's not right. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just saying, honor, dishonor. Do you have my revelation or not? Amen. I am not okay. I am not okay. Amen. Picking the fruit of a ministry. My, my finances are being enriched. My spiritual life is being enriched. My, my marriage is getting fortified. My kids are coming up strong. I'm getting imparted to and walk off and leave all the work and all the responsibility and all the labor and all the prayer, spiritual and natural, to other people. That is, I don't know, I'm just waiting on that thing. 
You know, in the past, we paid people when we had to to bush hog the church. But I have tracked them. So it would be perfectly ethical and legal for me to bush hog the church and charge the going grain. And I have a tractor payment, so right, why couldn't I do that? But I can't, and I'm not going to. I'm going to, if I, I'm going to use that piece of equipment to bless the church. Amen. Yeah. And we should be willing to use our gifts, our talent, our resources, our time yes. to what? To help Jesus build his church. Amen. And I got pages more on there than I've ever got. <laughs> I know that's kind of strong, but we need a strong word. People need a strong word. We've got to listen. Well, I already told you, this is the flourishing place. And I don't just mean this is the only place anybody can come and get blessed. No, any candlestick, any real church that God's raised up. Amen. And it's a real church. And, and God's got that pastor in his hand. And that person is assigned there. They better treat it right. They better treat it right. Amen. I know, I know, I know, I know I'm preaching to the choir. But I want this to be drilled down in you. Amen. That you are not going to forget this. This. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the, the, the local body that he is building. Satan and hell can't prevail. Can't prevail against us. Amen. Stand upon your feet tonight. Hallelujah.